Good morning. My name is Brandon Wood, and I've been a member of North Star for four years. Uh, currently serve on the guest uh, services and security team, and I am also plugged in uh, with a small group. Uh, this morning, I'm going to be reading out of the book of Acts 16. Uh, next, Paul, si next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galicia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north to the province of Bithynia. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went, through, they went on through Mysia, the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man in Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Would you guys join me today and thank Brandon for reading for us this morning. I know y'all have always wondered if I had a twin. I, I wanted you to meet Brandon for the other reason, and Brandon told me he was gonna wear a Georgia shirt, which hurts my heart, but I didn't have the heart to say no. So, good man, thank you Brandon. Give Brandon a hand, everybody. One of my favorite guys. Roadblocks, detours, waiting, no's. None of those we like. Paul and Silas, in this time in their journey, Paul and Silas are trying to do what Jesus told them to do before he ascended back to heaven when he said, I've got something for you to do. I want you to go and be my witnesses to the uttermost parts of the earth, to, to Jerusalem, Judea, and all the ends of the earth. And they were doing exactly what God wanted them to do. And all of a sudden, they ran into closed doors. And that's what we're going to talk about. So if you've got your app, it's a great morning to have it out. North Star Church, George in the App Store. If you've got your notes that you're given, a hard copy notes on the way in, it's a great thing to keep out in front of you because some of you are in that season of no's and waitings and you're going, all right, what's God doing? What's God trying to tell me? What's God trying to teach me? And that's what we're going to spend our time talking about this morning. So if I've never met you, I'm Mike and I'm really, really glad to be here. Did Cole not do a great job last week? Would y'all give a hand? to Mr. Ragsdale, always does such a great job. And he talked about the, uh, the Paul and Barnabas splitting ways and how God used that. And again today, we find ourselves in the middle of another story where there's so many lessons for us in it. So if you got your outlines out, I want you to write down two things that are not in the outline. Number one, I want you to write down, God cares about my steps. God cares about my steps. So in our lives, we think God cares about the beginning and we feel God cares about the ending. I would tell you, he is just as concerned about your daily steps with him as he is just the beginning and just the ending. God cares about your steps. God cares about how you and I live out our lives on a day-to-day -day basis in our jobs, in our marriages. Second thing I want you to write down at the top, and then we're going to dive in our outline. Ready? God never wastes my time, and he never wastes my experiences, ever. The things that you hate the most, God will probably use the best. 
the things that you thought, this is not what I had arranged. This is not how I laid my life out. This is not the direction I felt like I was pointed in. And I hit a roadblock. I hit a detour. I hit a no. Usually somewhere in that journey, we learn the things that we wanted to know most about God. We just wouldn't have chosen to get there. And I have a feeling sitting in this room today in Compass, up in the True North Chapel, those of you watching online, and if you're crazy enough to sit on the patio this morning that cold, and I hope you haven't blown away yet, you're sitting there in that season of waiting. What's God doing? Yes or no question. In this passage that Brandon just read, were Paul and Silas trying to do the right thing? Yes or no? Yes. Was what Paul and Silas were trying to do God's idea, yes or no? Yes, it's God's idea. But yet we learned God told them no. Three things we learned from it. Ready? Principle number one I want you to write down this morning. Sometimes God says it's not the right time. It's not the right time. Richard Blackaby said it this way, however, when we ask him for guidance according to what's on his heart, when we ask him how we can adjust our lives to his plans, the Bible says we'll see him clearly. And sometimes we clearly see God says it's not the right time. I love your heart. I love the direction you're headed. But now is not the right time. Look at the passage with me. Acts 16, 6 and 7, next Paul and Silas traveled from Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And I want you to look at the last couple words, at that time. Later on in Acts 18, he's going to allow it. But for right now, God says, whoa, 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 I want you to stop there. In fact, one translation says the Holy Spirit forbade them to go. It wasn't like they were going to go sell drugs. It was not like they were going to do something bad. God just said, not now. The Holy Spirit forbade them to go because the timing wasn't right. I want you to write down a little thought under number one. Ready? Timing is everything, isn't it? Especially with God's timing. Timing is everything. And the timing was not right. But here's our struggle. So you've got Paul and Silas. They wanted to go to Asia. This, this little area is modern day Turkey. But the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 I don't want you to go. And here's our dilemma, right? We have our desire and then we have God's direction. We have our desires and then we have God's direction. How many of you have ever had something in your life that was a desire of yours that in it, you felt like it was pure, you felt like it was right, you felt like it was of the Lord, but that desire never worked out? If that's true for you, would you raise your hand? How many of you sit in this room today because the original desire that you had didn't work out, you ended up here? Would you raise your hand? It's true. It's true back then, it's true now. Sometimes we, we believe, here's the hard part, we feel the desires and we know that they're right, but when God says no, we feel like God hates us, he's mad at us, he's quit on us, and what God's looking in our lives and saying is this, 
it's good, but it's not the right time. Why did God feel that way? I don't know. All I know is there's times our desires are not bad, but they're not the best. Proverbs says it this way, and I love how the writer of Proverbs said it, a man's mind plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps, and he makes them sure. Our mind plans our ways. And let me tell you what my way looks like. If y'all don't know me that well, my way looks easy. My way looks simple. My way looks very um, empty of hardship and adversity. All right, can I get a friend in the room? All right, you know what I'm talking about. I don't want hardships. I want all wins. I want no losses. I want all pretty days with no wind. All right, I want them all warm and sunny. That's what I want. That's the way I line up my life. And sometimes God says, well, Mike, I know that's great. And I know that's good, but that's not my best. A man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. God cares about your steps. When everybody look at me. It's easy to sit in a room like this and go, I know God cares about certain people, but I'm not in the certain people category. I'm just a normal, average, everyday person. Can I tell you, all of us in God's economy are normal, average, everyday people. And God cares as much about your steps as he did Billy Graham or Rick Warren or Andy Stanley or whoever a great name is that you know. He cares as much about how you live out your day-to-day journey as he does if we knew their name at the top of the hat. God cares about your steps. Here's what he wants us to do, to do during a season of waiting. Ready? It's a little point there. He wants us to keep growing. He wants us to keep growing. While you're here on this earth, you are never done growing, ever. You're never done growing spiritually. While you breathe on this planet, God is not finished with you. He wants you to keep growing. I want you to write down a couple little things under that. Ready? He wants me to keep growing in my faith. My faith will not grow till my faith gets tested. That's a fact. I've coached a lot of little teams through the years. I was undefeated in inter-squad games. It was amazing. It was incredible because I didn't have to face anybody that might be better. And the minute you roll your kids out on a field and you're playing somebody better, you're like, holy cow, we got a lot of holes. We got a lot of things we got to fill up here, right? My faith only grows. when He wants me to keep growing in my faith. Here's another little thing he wants me to keep growing in, a little extra there. He wants me to keep growing in my trust. I will only trust when I have to. So God sometimes makes sure that I have to. He wants us to keep growing. All right, and here's why. I want you to write this little thought down. We're gonna move on to number two. Number two, because he has a picture of who we can be. We're just not there yet. He has a picture of who we can be. So he wants me to keep growing. 
He wants me to keep pushing. I don't know how many times on an athletic field when a, when a full-time coach is ridden a kid, the kid will come over and go, he hates me. I'm like, if he hated you, he would not even speak to you. He says this to you because he sees who you could be, not just who you are, right? And you see tears coming out of helmets and in, in the bullpen where I sit all the time. He yelled at me. No, he's trying to get you where you're trying to be, right? He wants you to keep growing. Number two, sometimes it's not just, it's not the right time. Sometimes I'm not in the right place. Here's the hard part. We don't know that while we're in it. While we're in that spot, it seems right to us. It seems easy, it seems comfortable, it seems like this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Sometimes I'm not in the right spot. If you followed, <laughs> so if you followed Paul on a map of the second missionary journey that he's on, it would look like he got lost on his GPS, because he's here and there and spinning around and going back. It's like how I am without Ann in the car. I'm just sort of all over the place. I have no, zero sense of direction, zero. And that's what it looks like, but that's not, that wasn't Paul's fault. That was what God was doing him. And he kept saying, Paul, you're not in the right place. Look at, look at Acts 16, verse eight. So instead they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. Why did he end up in the seaport of Troas? He ended up in the seaport of Troas. This would have been his third choice of where he wanted to be. It was not in, it was not in Paul's plan trying to do what God called him to do. He ended up in the seaport of Troas because God was about to send him somewhere he needed to be in a seaport to get to. Hard part was while Paul was living out his life, he couldn't see it. Chuck Swindoll, the great pastor and author and and leader, he says it this way, we never understand God out the front windshield. We only understand him when we look back in the rearview mirror. Isn't that true? You look back and you see how things play out and you're like, okay, now I know why. Now I know why I ended up there. Now I know why. Paul, I'm sure while he's sitting in Troas is going, I don't really understand what I'm doing here, right? I understand it's not the right time maybe, but I don't understand it's not the right place because we can't see it. We can't lay eyes on it. A great writer, G. Campbell Morgan, said it's better to go to Troas with God than anywhere else without him. Roger, Dr. Roger Parrott, I just had him on my podcast this week. He made a statement. I thought it was so good. I want you to look back here with, with me. He said, God's no was far better than his yes to my plan. I want you to sit on that one for a second. Sometimes God's no is better than your yes. Sometimes what God has for you is bigger than your yes. Let's just face the fact. We know more than God about our lives at times. Y'all feel that way sometimes. I mean, I've got my life down. I know what I need, I know when I need it, I know the timing that I need it, and sometimes I know God knows everything, but he doesn't know enough about me. Do y'all ever feel that way, or am I the only person? That would make me feel very bad, all right? And so we feel that way, though. God, if you only knew what I knew, don't you think Paul felt that way? 
God, I mean, I don't get it. I'm trying to do what you told me to do, and you get me into Troas. And later on, looking back in the rearview mirror of Paul's life, he'll know that God's no was better than his yes. In fact, here's the fact. Everybody look at me. Paul was about to sell himself short, and he didn't know it. Paul is about to settle for less. And he didn't even know it. So what do we do when we go through times like that? Ready? Next little point. We surrender. We surrender our plans. What do I do when I'm not in the right place? I surrender. What's it mean to surrender your plans? Give up. Let go. Here's what we normally do with our plans, right? Okay, God, these are yours. I'm handing them over to you. God's going, uh, could you let go of it there for a second there, buddy? All right, I'm handing it over, Lord. I'm trusting you. What are you gonna do with this exactly? All right, I'm giving it to you, God. I mean, that's what we do with our plans, there's times I wish I had mics set up in this crowd for you to interact with. And there's other times you might say things I might not want you to say. But anyways, so but this is one of those times I say, why is it so hard to surrender? It's hard to surrender. Here's why. I want you to write this little thought down. Because we're not in control anymore. I've been teaching an executive Bible study with men for over 20 years. And there's two of them sitting over here to my right this morning. And a few sitting on my left. Number one thing that's come up over 20 years of that study is I'm not in control. Number one, we've talked about every topic, we've read every book, we've studied all through the Bible. You know what it always comes down to? Control. How many of you would say you like to be in control? Raise your hand. Yep. Some of you want to be in control so bad you hate, I had to ask you to say that, all right? And so you, you want to be in control. You're like, you, you're, you do what I tell you to do. That's, we like being in control. Ann and I get in the car, I drive. I like driving. I'm, a, I, I'm terrible and I get lost everywhere, but I like being in control. I like it. I hated when my kids learned to drive. Y'all remember that? Because you're sitting in, how many of y'all have taught a child how to drive? Raise your hand. Praise Jesus, you're still here, all right? And so, but you get in the car, Mary, Michael, and I are pulling out of Wyndham Woods, our little neighborhood we used to live in. We go in we're going down at the end of the driveway. We get to the stop sign at the end of the street. You can go right or left. And I said, take a right, and she does this. And I thought, oh, dear God, oh, Lord, what are you doing? She's like, well, that's how I remember my right and left. I'm like, oh, my gosh. All right, I'm not in control, right? Not in control. And Anne's like, I think it would be good for you to teach Mary Michael. Now I know why you told me to teach her because I wasn't in control. I, I'm totally, and we feel that way with God. You will never find God's best. Listen to me and everybody look at me till you surrender to his plans. I'm telling you, your plans are nothing compared to what he wants to do. That's what I'm telling you. His plans, Ephesians says, Paul says later, are immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. And yet every day we sell ourselves short because we don't want to surrender. We got a plan. We got a way. I got an ease. Cruise control is a beautiful thing. Traffic jams and roadblocks stink. We hate them. 
because it throws us off our plans. Principle number three, sometimes he's redirecting me to a different door. Sometimes he's redirecting me to a different door. And I want you to write this little thought down under it, to a door I can't see until I surrender. I can't see it until I surrender. This is not surrender. This is not surrender. This is surrender. God, whatever is in my hands, it's yours. That's surrender. And we don't like to surrender. We don't like to give up. The crazy part of the story, it was the turning point of history. It's crazy. Paul was trying to do right. Paul was trying to go preach in Turkey where the gospel was already going to. And I want you to look at what it says in Acts 16, 9 and 10. That night, Paul had a vision or he had a dream. A man from Macedonia, which was a Roman province in northern Greece, was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10, so we decided to leave for Macedonia at once. They believed, most scholars think this is when Luke, the writer of Acts, jumped on the boat and took off. All of a sudden, it goes from third person to first person. In the story, having concluded that God was calling us there to preach the good news, do you know that Europe ended up finding Christ because Paul made it to Macedonia? Paul said, send me to this town and God says, I want to send you to this region. Paul says, I want to be obedient to you in this place. And God says, yeah, I want you to too. But I really need a book of Philippians in the Bible. And you won't find that. I also need a Roman jailer that we're going to read about in a couple weeks to meet Jesus. So I need you to go over there. Does that make sense to everybody? Paul didn't know there was a lady named Lydia and her friends that were praying and they didn't even know what they were praying to or praying for. And so God gives Paul a dream, a vision of where he needed to go. And here's the crazy part. Paul and Silas had so surrendered their plans, they went. In fact, the way the Bible said it was this way. When I sense God's direction, this is the end of the passage, obey immediately, obey immediately. Follow the light I am given and obey immediately. Follow the light that I've been given and obey immediately. We don't know what was in Paul's mind or heart. All I know is Paul and Silas went. They were obedient. And let me tell you what's gonna happen in that obedience. They're about to get the tar beat out of them. Paul's about to experience his first imprisonment. I'm not telling you the next door will be easier. I'm telling you the door spiritually that God opens for you. So this isn't everybody go home and resign your job today because nobody wants to go back to work on Monday, right? And so that, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, spiritually and in life, 
Sometimes we assume God's ways are gonna be easiest. I will tell you, sometimes even when you walk through that next door, it might be harder, but it will be best. It just won't look like the doors that you laid out. Spring of 1991, this story became real for me. Graduating from Liberty, I had worked a summer camp for two summers, and I would say over the two summers and the 12 weeks I was there at this camp, I had probably had 10 churches go, hey, when you graduate from college, we'd love for you to come back and be our youth pastor. At least 10. My answer was the same every time. Nope, I already know what I'm doing. I've already got it laid out. I'm going back to my home church, New Hope Baptist Church in Fayetteville, Georgia, the church that I know, the church that I grew up in, and I'm getting married. I'm getting married in October, so as soon as I graduate Liberty, Back then, you didn't take a month off like kids do now and go travel the world. Your parents were like, get your fanny to work, all right? And so I, I was gonna get a job because I was off the, the family payroll at that point. And so I'm, I'm on, the, on somebody's payroll and it's gonna be New Hope because that's the best church I know. And I'm gonna be the college pastor at New Hope Baptist Church. That was the deal. That was, I told that two summers. Spring of my senior year, January, Ann and I get engaged and I'm like, I've got a great life planned out for us. And she was so gullible. She's like, let's go. I'm sorry. All right, but anyway, so, but I did. I had it all planned out. That was a picture of Ann and I at Liberty. I know I look the same and Ann's changed a lot. But anyway, so y'all don't have to, it's embarrassing. Don't tell Ann that. I know it's embarrassing. So uh, I had big dreams and big plans. That 10 was my number. It was also my ERA. But anyways, so I had big dreams, big dreams and big plans. So that year, I was the bullpen coach. I didn't have to travel on a spring road trip. Never had a spring break off. So I'm like, let's go to Fayetteville. I'll go ahead and meet with New Hope. Let's get everything knocked out, nailed down. And I want to make sure that everything's ready. And I, Ike, the pastor who you know, founding pastor of North Star, Ike was out of town. And so I met with one of the other staff members. And I said, so I just wanted to meet about, you know, when you want me to start. And he looked at me and he said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I thought I was coming back here as the college pastor. And he's like, Mike, we don't have any money to pay you. He said, now, if you want to run, back during that time, I used to run baseball clinics. He said, if you want to run a clinic and raise your salary, I'm like, I went too many classes to raise my salary, right? So I ain't doing that. So you're telling me there's no job here. He said, Mike, we have no job here. I remember I felt like I had been hit with a two by four. I remember Going back, Ann and I packed up and we began the seven and a half hour trek to Lynchburg. And I'm stunned, stunned. So we're driving back and I'm like, I got bad news. There's no job at New Hope. And we're getting married in October. I'm graduating May. I have, I mean, and now I'm in Lynchburg in a little apartment. You don't have an email. You don't have websites. You don't have Indeed.com, I mean, I have nothing. I have no idea how I'm gonna get my name out from up here in Lynchburg. And then on the way back, I felt like, God, I've got the worst case acne. I got chicken pox on the way back to Liberty. And it's like, I don't think that's acne and don't touch me, all right? And so it was like the worst, it was the worst. Month goes by, my phone rings. It's a guy named Rick. 
met him at a camp in 1988. This is the spring of 91. Rick goes, man, I tracked down your name. I was thinking about you. We did a camp together and I thought you might be graduating. So I found your parents' number in the phone book and I called them and they gave me your number at your apartment. He goes, is there any chance you'd be open to moving back to Atlanta to a church in Kennesaw, Georgia? And I had so many options at the time. I'm like, well, I mean, I could put it in my options. (laughs) Woo, this is awesome, right? I'll put it, Rick, let me pray about it. It's crazy. I remember showing up in Kennesaw, there were 30 kids maybe in our youth group. But I just knew this was where God wanted us. Sure wasn't where I planned to be. Now, at that time, I didn't realize in Fayetteville, Georgia, there's not a college within 30 minutes of it, but a college position at a church that there's not a college within 30 minutes is probably not a good career move. But anyway, so I didn't understand that at the time. It just looked easier. And God said, no, 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 Mike, I got another door over here. You don't see it. And it sure doesn't look like what you think it will. But I'm not gonna leave you many other options. I want you to go here. I often wonder if I'd stayed in Fayetteville, Georgia, what would be different about life. That was Ann and I, and this past fall, I stood there at a wedding with my daughter on my arm And I look back on those 31 years, 31 years. My kids got to grow up in a church that loved them well. I got to serve at a church that I look forward to coming to every weekend. When I'm not here, I'm just sick. Wasn't the door I planned but it was the door he opened. It was funny, I, we were starting North Star and I looked at me and he never asked me. He said, why did you not come to New Hope? I've always wanted to ask you that question. And I said, well, there was a guy there on staff that told me you didn't have a job. He goes, you're telling me that you were told no I'm like, I never knew you had met with him. I said, I just figured y'all gone a different direction. He said, I just figured that you wanted to go and do something on your own. If that had happened, would we be here? God's ways are never straight. They're always crooked. But they're always where he wants us. You know, one thing I'll tell you in 31 years of just being in full-time ministry, keep your plans here, not here. I remember telling Ann, we moved to Kennesaw. I said, don't think I moved to Kennesaw. I said, God, we're gonna plan our lives here. I looked at Ann and said, we will not be here long. I remember telling her that. We won't stay long, baby. I promise you, we're moving on to bigger and better. And God says, okay, that's good. And he just shuts the doors. (laughs) And I wouldn't trade it for the world. Wouldn't trade looking out and seeing you from Bible studies and ball fields, PTA groups, student ministry. Young lady sitting in the back, her and her husband were my very first wedding 
25 years ago. And this summer, I'll get to marry their daughter off this summer. God had a good way. It just wasn't mine. Would you pray with me? God, we are so doggone stubborn. And we are so right, we can't even see our wrongs. Boy, would you let the Holy Spirit just speak to your heart this morning? For some of you, you're a believer. And you've wrapped those old plans up in your hands so tight. You've trusted him once, but you're afraid to do it again. Would you just open your hands to the Lord this morning and say, God, you got my plans. Maybe you're sitting in this room today and you go, Mike, I've never surrendered my life, let alone my plans. I'd love to introduce you to him. He can do more with your life in five minutes than you could do in 50 years. But it all begins with trust. Would you just pray this prayer with me, dear Lord Jesus? I get it. I believe you live for me. And I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior today. If you prayed that prayer, our team in the chapel and our team here in this room and compass, your online host will tell you what's next. God, I pray we never get over you because you sure never got over us. Thanks for meeting us and doing your best work in our waiting.